But uh, yeah, Open Brother. Open Brother Project. I'm Colin Cummings, the host, and this is Andrew motherfucking Jones. That's me. That's what I like to call him. <laughs> Andrew's always down for a podcast. Always. I think the first one, I was like just trying to figure out like my layout and like how things worked. And you were just like, yeah, let's sit down for three hours. I'm down to <laughs> ramble, man, always. I think our first one, we got unbelievably high. Like, it was, like, off the rails, completely, like, Joe Rogan, episode 10 type high. I would, I remember getting into a story about some shit that I've done in my life. And then i tangent and forget where we were at. And yeah. just go off on that tangent as if it was the original story. Yeah. But that guy even apologized to the audience. Yeah. Podcast. I'm like, you hey, guys, did. I know I'm out of my mind right now, but... A hundred is what it is. A hundred percent. That's exactly what happened. It was so funny. Yeah. Man. It was great. And uh, yeah, so he's a guy. Regular guy. That's me. And that's who I like to interview. Regular dude making my way through life. That's that's what I was telling my buddy. Um, my buddy who was just on the podcast last, Rob, because he didn't kind of understand why I would want to like talk with him. But I was like, yo, I just want regular guys. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm not looking for followers and super amount of subscribers and all that bullshit. I just want regular guys that are just working through it, you know? Yep. And you've always been a... You, you're like a, a big catalyst, I think it's called, towards me running and like doing some hard shit. Hell yeah. Like Hell I, remember, yeah. I remember telling Sherry, I was like, I was like, Andrew... Like, at the time, you were doing, like, stairs, like, weighted, like, in your old place. <laughs> yep. Going up and down the stairs, and I was if like... If I'm going to live in a shit apartment on the 10th floor, I'm going to climb those damn stairs every day. Yeah. Make the most of it. If I'm paying 2 k in rent, <laughs> you know, figure a couple bucks a stair, make, make it, I can get my worth out of it. Make Lose it some in, weight, get in shape. Make it into a CrossFit gym. Yeah, throw a weight vest on and suffer a bit. Yeah, man. So that was a big, big catalyst. And then you were going on those massive walks. Oh, God, yeah. 40K plus. Which I went on one with you. And I uh, promptly got leg cramps after. (laughs) (laughs) We went went like 13 kilometers or something like that. Yeah. It was pretty crazy. Yeah, that was fun. We walked. We walked. Trying to get lost. Yeah. Discovering new parks. Yeah. Walking through cemeteries. Yeah. Looking at people's pictures and, you know. There's like a lost vlog that I made of that. Yeah. Like, I see it sometimes in Google Photos. I'm like, I think that was when me and Andrew were out going crazy. Gotta be around somewhere. Yeah. We ended up at that dam or something yeah. in, like, North York. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was fun. I was in much worse shape then. I think I was, like, 250 at that point. I was in better shape then. I yeah. I put on some pounds. <laughs> suffering from some health shit. But you we're, got, getting, we're getting it straight. I think you got health shit and relationship pounds. Because those come on. Once you're in relationships. Pounds, Family death pounds. Yeah, true. Those two. That's a hard it's been one. A, it's been a year, man. It's been wild. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's hard when you lose uh, when you lose your father, definitely. Yeah. That's my dad, my aunt, my first cousin, and my uncle whose kids found him all in the span of four months. Man. So I feel, I feel for my uncle, my dad's oldest brother, because he lost his... He lost his brother, his wife, and his son in four months. Fuck. And here I am. <laughs> Just chilling. I'm doing my thing. It hurt, but we're, we're making my way through it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, it's okay to feel those feelings, but you got to keep pushing forward. Yeah, exactly. Got to make them proud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big thing. Yeah, my dad said that when he was in the hospital bed. He was just like, it's like a relay race. 
He's like, you know, you just pass on the torch and uh, you can do it a little better. Yep. He's like, that's that's all we can do. Yep. I was like, fuck. But that's crazy to lose all that. Yeah. It's wild, months. man. The uh, My first cousin, Richard, he went from having mild um, acid reflux to vomiting blood a month later to getting diagnosed with stage 4 esophageal and liver cancer to dying two months after that. So he had less than three months from diagnosis to death. And my dad stuck around for 13 months after being given three months to live. I think my dad was something similar. He yeah. stuck around for, I think it was about two, maybe two years yeah. after they like removed the tumor, but didn't remove it all. And yeah, you know, regrowth happens and chemo hits your body hard when you're older. So, yep. yeah, he, yep. uh, and then for me, same thing. Three months later, one of somebody I consider like a brother to me, he passed away too. Yeah, man. Overdose. Coma. Overdose into a coma. And then, yeah. and, then and then they take you off life support after three days. I didn't know that. Yeah. They kind of just gauge it and they go, okay, yep. that's enough. I had no idea of that. That's yeah. how I found that fact out. Yeah. That's wild. It hits you quick. Yeah. 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 But um, I guess I know on that page, one of the last questions, but I guess we'll start now. Uh, what was your relationship with your father like? It was good. It was, I was much closer to my mom than my dad. True. Me and my dad, it was kind of the relationship where you're so alike, you get on each other's nerves <laughs> type deal. <laughs> my True. dad dealt with a lot when he was younger with his father. His father was, I don't want to say he was abusive, but he wasn't the best dad emotionally. So my dad had self-confidence issues and he would always ask for permission to do this, that, and the other thing. Whereas I try and go, as as my father's son, I try and go in the opposite direction and better myself. So I take everything that my parents do, and then I do it to an extreme myself. And if I think they are doing something that's not beneficial, then I'll go in the opposite way to an extreme. Yeah. So my parents weren't very active. When I'm at my peak, I'd run 40K. Mainly walk. Let's not pump myself up too much. <laughs> Mainly walk 40K. Get it out, though. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just do my best to, to do what I can to better myself. But uh, with my dad, it was spotty. I was a very shitty teenager. I was very, very moody and emotional, and I'd punch walls and yell and do all the dumb teenager stuff when I was 14, 15, 16. Uh, but even then, no social media. Yeah, can't imagine. I hear, Thank I hear stories. I hear stories, man. I hear stories from about my friends' kids these days, and I can't imagine how it is for those. But yeah, it was overall a good relationship. I feel he went too soon. There was a lot more that I wanted to do with him. There were a lot more questions that I feel I could have asked, and that's what hits me the hardest: is not getting an answer to those questions. Yeah, yeah. But Same. I mean, it's life, man. You just gotta move. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? Uh, I keep telling my friends who are like, oh, my dad's shitty, or oh, my dad's like this. I'm like, yo, you better, like, you Fix know, that. do, yeah. Because, like, once they're gone, they're gone. Yeah. Like, and it's hard to comprehend it when you have your parents, because your parents are around forever, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it's like, it, they're actually gone. Once they're gone, it's fucking, yeah. it's done. Yeah. They're not and around anymore. One right? of the things I felt comfort with is uh, there's, a, there's a YouTuber... Markiplier, a lot of people might know him, some people might not. He's more of a 
kids-based scary games YouTuber. True. I grew up watching a lot of YouTube, but he lost his father, and he did a podcast a few months ago, and I saw a snippet of it, and he was saying that the one thing that brought him a lot of solace in terms of what I was just saying with the questions that I haven't got answered and the time that I wish I could have spent. Yeah. Once you reach 18, 80% of the time, that's 80% of the time you would have spent with your parents anyways. Because once you hit 18, 20, 21, obviously it's different these days with the economy. A lot of people can't afford to move out of their parents' houses, which is completely okay. Um, you spent most of the time that you're ever going to spend with your parents because you, you're going off, you're doing your own thing, you're having your own family, you're starting yeah. to work and, and, and spread your own wings. True. But uh, I'm happy with the way things are. It's, it is what it is. It sucks, but it's got to happen at some point. Yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, yeah. It's very true. Like, for me, after my dad passed, it was like... Yeah, you kind of just kind of kind of accept it. It's like it is what it is. Like they're not going to come back. But all you can do going forward, the thing that I learned is like that's going to happen with a lot of people that you love. Exactly. So you you let, you let them all know yeah. how you feel and you yeah. ask those questions. And one thing I know I'm going to do with my kids cuz me and Sherry didn't bring it up. She's probably bringing it up to Jen now, but we're going to be <laughs> trying to have kids within like a few months, a couple nice. months actually. Nice. But pictures, videos. Yes. Pictures, videos, like crazy. I'm yes. gonna be, I'm gonna be the annoying fucking dad that's just fucking documenting everything. Mm-hmm. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, that's one thing that I started to do towards, towards when I knew my dad was on his last legs. So he was suffering from stage four pancreatic cancer. He was diagnosed terminal. There was no option for treatment. Fuck. He, um, uh, I was out in Nova Scotia working out there very very rural nova scotia so if you wanted some chicken nuggets you're going 90 minutes in one direction to get them (laughs) it is wild man wild some 400 kilometers south of halifax along the coast and uh so i lost my job out there covid and budget cuts month later my dad was diagnosed so and then so from april to November, I was unemployed, and then I made my way back, and when I got back, my dad was well into suffering from cancer. He had a a morphine pack where he could press a button and and get a shot anytime to relieve pain. True. And and one of the things I started to do, but I didn't do it enough, was just set your phone down, record video of just the mundane shit. Yeah. You just being a family. Yeah. And I encourage anybody watching, do that with your parents. Cooking dinner with them, yeah. sitting at the table with them, having a chat. Put your phone down record that because that's something you'll look at in the future and you'll be like, this is what we were like. Yeah. You can show your kids. If your parents pass before you have kids, they can see what that family unit was like. Yeah. So that's, that is a regret, but as, at the same time, I got, some, I got some nice stuff on them in terms of videos and pictures and memories. That's good, man. Because, I mean, for me, I have maybe... I don't know, maybe 20 pictures of my dad. Mm-hmm. That's about it. None of them, like one picture of him when he was like older. Yeah. And pretty much no pictures of he and I together or brothers and sisters or anything. There's, there's yeah. one picture when I was like maybe six months old mm-hmm. and maybe another one when I was like a year or two. But other than that, nothing. But I mean, the way I look at it, it's like that's almost like the, the, the regret of that is like you're 
tuition to now you understand how valuable that is going mm-hmm, forward. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. It's like you get it now. Yeah. Like, Pictures now. worth a thousand words. Yeah. What's a video worth, man? You can yeah. look back at those times. Right? Just to see how they moved and you can be like, you yeah. know, like your kids could be like, oh, man, yeah. like dad, dad was like grandpa, yeah. you know, like yeah. shit like that. Like for me, I've never seen any of my grandchildren, my, my grandparents. Yeah. Never seen any of their faces or anything. So, yeah. So that's another thing where it's just like, yeah. I'm going to be reporting like crazy. Yeah. You hear a lot of talk about people taking um, uh, certain phones these days have that live photo option. Yeah. Where you take a photo. And it moves but a little it, bit. But it records like two and a half, one and a half seconds of video before that. Yeah. So you can just see the movement behind the picture that's eventually taken. Yeah. So it takes you back into that moment more so. Yeah, man. And I mean, at the end of the day, all we have is memories. Yeah, man. Like I wish, I wish I had more of that, but you know, it's all you know. Like you, like it's, I said, it's a learning process. It happens and it sucks, but hey, we're still here, and we can we can put those uh, that knowledge towards betterment. Now, now, what I want to do, I want to take, uh, I want to just sit my mom down and do like an interview with her, Dude, and just yes. talk with her and just like get answers on where she was from and what that was like and mm-hmm. you know just everything everything mm-hmm. so it's like if my kids don't get to know her like as they're older you know they can just play it back and be like holy fuck like i move my face like grandma yeah i do you know what i mean just that little shit that yeah. we, we just don't think of as valuable <laughs> yeah it's like fuck so valuable man but uh what's another question on there oh i know first question Correct me if I'm wrong. What's the time you felt the most like a man? The most like a man? Yeah. Time you felt manly. Manly. You felt like, I'm a man now. When I moved out east, because I was in a very shitty relationship. True. And I was just graduating. I went through a period where I didn't do much with my 20s. I, I got two diplomas, sat on them, did jack shit, kind of fucked around. Worked at uh, shitty jobs, Bed Bath. Met you at No Frills. Uh, <laughs> no Frills. No Frills. Let's go. Night shift. Allegedly, allegedly, maybe intentionally damaging food product to eat. Um, of course. <laughs> shout allegedly, out to, allegedly. Shout out to Arnold. Shout out to Arnold. <laughs> oh man. Um, but yeah, so went back to school after uh getting some some motivation from some people that i was working with there colin included and uh uh, made my way through that program got into relationship and ended up being pretty toxic and uh i got an opportunity we broke up and then i got an opportunity and i had three weeks notice just manned up took my emotions bottled them up moved the fuck out to rural nova scotia and that's led me along the career path where i'm at now where i do government work in in mapping and asset management but that i just i needed to take that step i had never lived that far from home before um and i just needed to fucking go and and experience the world get my foot in the door on the career path that i wanted to be in and just make the most of it regardless of of what i had been through and i dealt with it i dealt with my shit i i got in shape uh, I got out of shape first, and then I got back in shape. <laughs> True. <laughs> you know, ups and downs. Life's a fucking roller coaster with yeah, that shit. Fuck. <laughs> and then uh, I, I made the most of it, man. I had a good time out there. Sitting in the, went through a couple of hurricanes out on the coast of Nova Scotia. 
did the typical white guy shit, go out to the most dangerous place on the pier in the middle of the hurricane and spread my arms like Leo. Let's <laughs> so, cross over there. Yeah. Man, that's yeah, when you when you told me you were making that move, I was like, wow, this guy's doing it. I'm always so impressed with guys because it's like in my family, that's something that's always been done. My mom came here from Barbados. My dad was from Jamaica to the UK to here. Yeah. Like, it's like such a, it's such a thing that people are supposed to do that migration. Yeah. That that coming of age where you move and you let loose, you let your family go in a sense. Yeah. And you just kind of take the world. Yeah. And exactly. you just go out and you just see what happens with you. Because in certain certain circumstances, to excel, you got to sacrifice. And that was True. the first point in my life where I had actually went out and sacrificed. True. I sacrificed three years of my time. And in in retrospect, it would have been the twilight years of my dad. True. I sacrificed friends' weddings, seeing my friends' kids grow up. But at the same time, I needed to do that in order to excel in my life and to bring myself into a, a state of being where I'm not reliant on retail minimum wage work to True. subsist. And, and so I can actually earn a wage to afford to experience life in, in a different light aside from, you know, wake up, sun setting, go to work, night shift, work, night shift, go home, go to bed as the sun's coming up every day for three plus years. That, that was not the way to live. And although that is a respectable thing to do, like if, if that's the way that you got to live your life to, to get through it, that's okay. But at some point you got to sacrifice and, and push yourself. You talking about the, the night shift? Yeah. Oh yeah. That was torture. That was fucked. That was torture. There would be like, like four months in the winter where you wouldn't even see the sun yeah. for weeks straight. Cause you get, you get to bed and. The last thing you want to see when you're working night shift is that sun coming up. Oh yeah, you people fucking, going to work and you're like, fucking. We'd fu I'd fucking <sighs> run like a fucking vampire to get home, man. Because <laughs> yes. I had to take fucking two buses. And I was like, fuck, I gotta go, I gotta go. And the second you could get out, you're just fucking running. Well, the for worst it. for me was I was in my mom's, in my parents' condo, and I lay my head down on that pillow. And I peeked through that window, and I could see where I fucking worked. <laughs> that Fuck, is the worst. Get out that of my is life. The worst. That is the worst. <laughs> uh, it was the fucking worst. That's terrible, man. But uh, yeah, that yeah. that was that was a hard place. Yeah. To work. Yeah. But it was it, it was it was it was definitely the kick that we both needed. Yeah. To be like, all right, this is probably the lowest. Not the lowest. I've worked factory jobs. I've worked warehouse jobs. It's it's up there, but that was low in terms of like. Uh, it's it's pretty low <laughs> in, se in the sense of it really was yeah night shift in general, but then also like what you could do with that money because it was so little. Yeah, you know and what I mean. I, I purposely didn't work like I purposely didn't work full weeks. Like I didn't work a full forty hour work week. I'd work like the twenty four hours. Yeah, uh, or or a week. Just because, like, I wanted to get out and absorb some fucking vitamin D. Yeah, exactly. Some sunlight. Get, this, get these white arms a bit more tan. Honestly, <laughs> it doesn't very, doesn't work very well, but whatever. It was rough. That's the shirt. Um, but, uh, yeah, no. It was, who was that guy? Rob? Rob, oh Robert. my god. Fuck. <laughs> Robert. 
There's always one all the guy. Best, all the best to you, Rob, but holy fucking shit, you were annoying. There's always one guy who treats whatever the fuck he's doing like he works at NASA. Oh, my God. And that was Rob. Rob fucking acted Dude, like... I'm just trying to face the, the Uncle Ben's minute rice. And he... If it's off a millimeter, that's okay, buddy. Please, relax. And, and he actually <laughs> hated you. He didn't like you he at really all. He really didn't like me at he all because I stood up to him. He would look for you and, like, peek around and be like, where's, where's Andrew? Andrew? Yeah. See the bathroom again. All the time, he was mad about you. <laughs> <laughs> I just did my shit and I didn't care. Oh, my like, God. <laughs> he would... He's the type of person... You obviously know, but for the audience, it's the, the type of guy... Where they explain the same thing in like five different ways consecutively. Yeah. Yeah. So to cross the road, you got to press the button. But before you, I'm like, okay, yeah. just go on and on about different ways to cross the road. Not even different, just the same thing said differently. Yeah. Like, and it was. Buddy, relax. It's and okay. He, he was the hands down, and no offense to him, but he was the worst part of working there. He was. He was the worst part. If he Arnold, wasn't there. Mike? Was it Mike? Yeah, Mike Drodge. Yeah, Mike Drodge. He was the were man. Were you there when Petru was there? Yeah. You I were... love Petru. Petru's yeah. the one who kicked my ass and got me to go back to college. Bro, he would he would work like guy. an animal, and he would just look at us <laughs> at 6 o'clock when we were done at 7. He'd look at us at like 6, 5.30, but get out of here. Get the fuck out of here. Everybody get out of here. I'll finish. Praise the Lord. I don't have to see the sun today. And he'd finish <laughs> all of our work. It was yeah. insane. Yeah, he was a fucking turbo boy. And then he'd get on a, a bus and sleep and go to another... A second job, and then he'd go spend time with his kid. It was He was, was a demon. Yeah, he's a, he's a workhorse. Actually, you know what? Now you bring that, I got to interview him. Dude, if he's you can a get a hold workhorse. of him, I want to talk to him and thank him. I got him on uh, Facebook. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, right. I've, I've had him on Facebook for years. Yeah, I've been trying to find him. Yeah, he's absolutely great, man. I love that guy. So Petri. good. Oh, man. Do you but, remember uh, uh, Tommy? Yeah, Azerbaijani kid. No. Tommy hit a bike. He was like a younger kid. Actually, maybe, maybe. So hard for me to remember the people. Yeah, I just remember those standout too. people. Yeah. Arnold was the best. Yeah, I like Arnold. Arnold, he'd look at me, but you like this? I'd be like, yeah, I like it. Oh, man, look at this. Bang. He just punch it. Oh, it's broke, man. We eat this shit. Let's go. We eat this shit, man. <laughs> oh, man, that reminds me. I, uh... In high school, I worked at a at a gas station, and uh, allegedly in high school, I worked at a gas station. <laughs> and it was uh, when uh, Dominion was still Dominion before Dominion turned to Metro. True. And Dominion's tagline was something like, it's fresher, it's free. True. So they had like a policy, or at least I thought it, in my idiotic high school mind, I thought they had a policy. But my friends would keep track of the beef jerky expiration date. <laughs> going along there it's fresher it's free and the day it would expire they'd come in and just take the box and be like oh man that's expired i guess it's free yeah. and they just walk off with some fucking beef and there you go the perks mm -hmm. and then i go to their house and have beef jerky <laughs> <laughs> but um to the questions what's the time you felt the least like a man <laughs> least like a man so I'd go back again and, and with those toxic relationships, True. if you find yourself trapped in that situation True. and you just get, it feels like you can do nothing right. And it just eroded my confidence, not as a man, but just as, as a human to where, to the point where I was questioning everything. Mm. Like, do I really deserve to be talked to like this? Do I really deserve to be 
hit and have things thrown at me. Mm. Like, I'm a six foot two, 200 pound man, and I'm letting this five, 200 pound woman just maul me. And, like, did I deserve that? In retrospect, no, I didn't. She was crazy. But then again, I wasn't the best person either. I do pertain some fault to some of the things that I said that were pretty mean. But when you're in the moment, you get carried away. And that was definitely a point where it took me... And the isolation of Nova Scotia really helped me build myself back up. Because just going out into nature and rediscovering yourself. And just the alone time out there. Being successful at your job and and helping people in in government as I do daily uh, really helped me build myself back up and build my confidence back up. Like, even down to little things where I consider myself to be a good driver. Like, I'm observant, I'm good on the road, I'm okay navigating traffic. True. But she would just backseat drive to the point where I felt like I was so inept at even backing up or... Should I have the wheel turned this way when I'm waiting to make a left? I don't know. What do I do? It's like a masculine yeah. thing. Yeah. And I mean, then I had the BMW for a while out in out in Nova Scotia. I bought a sports car, and you know, taking it to tracks and uh, allegedly going to the the unpatrolled streets of rural of rural uh, Mexico. <laughs> Hey, you know, let's call it Mexico and having some fun out there and regaining that confidence. Um, no, it, it's, it was a journey, but the, finding yourself in those situations can really f- make you feel like you're not much of a man. Yeah. That and even through my 20s, working those shitty retail jobs. And again, Ooh. no offense to anyone who works retail. If that's the life you find yourself in and, and you don't want to find a way out if you enjoy it hey that's awesome good for you but if if you don't want that to be when you're in your 40s and 50s and you're still working there and you're rusted out Camry you you can find a way out but knowing that I had two diplomas in my back pocket and I'm organizing minute rice for a living (laughs) for I think at that time because I didn't work full full weeks making maybe 800 bucks a month living with my parents at 24 25 it was a waste and that made me feel terrible yeah i'd get too high and i'd get super paranoid and freak out like this is my life i don't want this to be my life Hmm. but going back to school was scary but i did it we made it you have to right like i mean what point do you have i mean like like you keep saying like no disrespect to those people but it's like when you feel like you're better, because, you know, like, some people are better than working in that shift. You had a higher calling, like even, let's yeah. call it. When you feel that, it's the worst feeling in the world to be stuck in those jobs. Yeah. It's the worst feeling in the world. Yeah. Knowing that my, that my parents helped me pay my way through college for the, first, for the first times, and then when I went back, I did it all myself. And uh, there's a story to that, but we'll we can get into that in a bit if you want. Um, but just knowing that they sacrificed for me to have that education, and then I squandered it, mm. and that hurt a lot because, like, I was a disappointment. Yeah, plain and simple. They they helped me and they raised me to be better, and they put up the financial resources so I could be better. And I succeeded in getting those diplomas, and then I did nothing. 
I did nothing with it. Yeah. And now I'm 34 and I'm firmly into the industry that I want to be in. But That's at the same time, I'm amazing. still behind. It I mean, feels that way. It feels that, that way, feel but that then again, way. you don't want to compare yourself to anyone else. You can compare yourself as a means to like, oh, I want to get there, but yeah. not in a like, oh, I should be there. You don't want to be like, oh, I should be where he is. There's yeah. no sense in saying that. If yeah. you want to be where he is, make a fucking plan. You can still get there. Yeah, that's like, the thing, right? Even yeah. when you're saying you're a disappointment, it's probably more to yourself. Yeah. Once you Let realize it, that you squandered something like that yeah. and where you are, you're like... You feel disappointed in yourself. And yeah. obviously, if you feel disappointed in yourself, you you feel like you're disappointing your parents, obviously. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even like your you, friends. Fuck. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I know, right? Like, I, I, fuck, there were so many years where I was dead broke, and they'd be like, hey, you want to go to this thing, XYZ? You want to drive to this place with us? I'm like, I can't afford gas. <laughs> yeah. I, could you drive me? I'll fucking sit in the trunk of your car. I don't care. <laughs> and there have been times where I did do that when yeah. I was younger. Where uh, you want to go to a bar? I, I, I can't afford a cab there. Just fucking hop in the trunk, AJ. Yeah. Like, right, <laughs> fuck it. I guess so. I wasn't that big, as big as I am now. There. Yeah. So I've had I've had that a lot. <laughs> those experiences of just yeah. not having anything. Yeah. Man. Like, I mean, even with my now wife, I had that experience on our first date. Yeah. I was like, if this bill. Because we were eating at No May. It was like Young and Shepherd. Yeah. <laughs> I was like the Dave Chappelle half-baked thing. I'm like calculating in my head. Uh, I'm like, if this bill goes over $100, yeah. I'm fucked. Yeah. <laughs> I'm fucked. Yeah. And, it, and it didn't, thankfully. And then all of a sudden, big reason why she's my wife today, she paid. Yeah. She, yeah. she didn't even question it. She's yeah. like, I'm going to pay for our first date. Just don't want you to think that, uh, you know, I'm here just for... For the free food, I was like, "Oh my god, I love this lady." Yeah, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Like even now, like there have been certain emasculating circumstances that I've been in recently. Um, True. Obviously, I moved back from Nova Scotia. I moved uh, a little north of Barrie, and I found an apartment there, and it was it was it was okay, but it, I could have done better. So I looked True. for something better, and I thought I found something better. Didn't end up being better. At the time, I was seeing a girl, and she's now my girlfriend of nine months. And uh, at the time I asked her out, I was homeless. Because <laughs> I had handed the keys in at the old place. And the day I handed the keys in at the old place, the contractor for the landlord at the new place called me and said, Hey, bud, <laughs> your place isn't ready. I'm like, so I'm homeless? He's like, well, I'll give you some cash but you could probably find an airbnb to stay stay at so i asked <laughs> my girlfriend to be official when i was homeless <laughs> and it registered is fucking hilarious like honestly the place is still pretty shitty right. and i'm dealing with it and i'm gonna be looking to move again but uh fuck i mean that could have made me feel some type of way but in essence it was just at that point it was just comedy yeah it's like what the fuck else could go wrong in the end, I came out on top. He, he financially compensated me, but um, fuck, it was a shitty situation to be to be told that you just hand your keys in and your place isn't ready, and <laughs> you get all your stuff moved into a place that's un incomplete. And man, uh, yeah, it's been a journey, but hey, we're, Those, we're here. We're yeah, moving. exactly. What's the What's the third question on that list? Third question. I'm gonna have the guests read out the questions. What is now. your outlook on vulnerability? Woo! Ooh. What is it? 
I enjoy being vulnerable. I enjoy putting myself out there like that. I talk about my fears. I talk about um, my feelings. I wear my heart on my sleeve. I'm not. I'm not afraid to talk about times that I've felt depressed or times that I've had even darker thoughts than that. True. It it, it happens. Um, I suffer from gout. It gets extremely bad. Some of the worst attacks I've ever had silk sheets brushing over your foot enough to make you scream 96 hours with no sleep legitimately thinking about suicide multiple times being yeah. like i don't want to live like this yeah when is the pain gonna stop fucking uh, 36 hours no sleep researching medieval bloodletting yeah <laughs> to try and because you know that with gout it's a it's a buildup of a chemical in your bloodstream that attacks your soft tissues yeah so in that sleepless delirium i was thinking what if i just cut myself and drain out the bad blood might that make me feel better <laughs> um like i'm a, i'm completely okay with talking about those types of things and being vulnerable like that um like depression was was strong after i lost those four members of my family um mm. and and going through that i put on weight i put on weight i started suffering from gout more um it it was like a roll of the dice, whether I'd be able to walk in the morning. And coming from a guy who would run 10K in under an hour and walk 40K twice a week to not being able to move at all without yeah. pain. Enough to make you scream at 6'3", 200 pounds of man. Yeah. And you're screaming like a little baby. It, it's, it gets rough and it's hard to, it's hard to articulate because especially with things like gout, it's not visible. Yeah. Like I could show you, oh, your foot's slightly swollen. That looks like it must hurt, but you have no fucking idea. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like fires in your veins. It feels like you're hitting your toe with a hammer over and over and over nonstop until the attack is over. Fuck. It's, it's wild. It's wild. Yeah, I got that same type of thing with uh, with my leg cramps. Because uh, I get it. I actually figured out what it was because I went and saw a physio. Because mm-hmm. um, the leg cramps used to last for two hours. So usually people's leg cramps will last for like an hour. Maybe not even an hour. Maybe ten minutes. Maybe they'll just grip their leg and breathe and all of a sudden they're fine. Yeah. But for me, it was just two hours of crazy pain. Same type of thing. Just wanting to, like, should I? Should I just, like, I, like I'd rather have my leg come off mm-hmm. than keep going through this at random times. Yeah. Just you're on the couch, you get up, all of a sudden your whole life's over. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, it was like, just terrible. Whoa. It was terrible. But whoa. I figured out what it was, and now I strengthened myself up a bunch. Yeah. Because I went to a physio, and he's like, you got to do this. He's like, he's like, he actually told me, he's like, he's like, you have the biggest nerve in your body that runs along this leg. Yeah. He's like, and the biggest muscle. He's like, so if it's weak, he's like, what your body's doing, the muscle grabs onto the nerve. Mm-hmm. He's like, that's why it's so painful. I'm like, holy shit. That makes sense. He's like, it just grabs onto it and hangs on for dear life because it's too weak to do anything. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah. So, so now I avidly do side lunges every single day. Oh. <laughs> like, yeah. like my knee hurts. I'm like, I don't care. Yeah. I'm not going through that. So. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, in terms of vulnerability, I feel like... As a man, as men especially, it's important to be vulnerable to sure. other men. And it, but it's also so taboo. 
Yeah, it, right. It seems like it. It's an excuse. Everything seems like an excuse, especially like in professional circles. Like if I'm at work, I work in government. I work in local government. Nothing, nothing high up provincial or anything like that. But local, local government. And to be like, hey, I wasn't able to do X, Y, Z because I can't walk. Yeah. Feels like an excuse. It feels unprofessional. Mm. But then even between men, it can feel like to to go to especially at our age where uh specifically for me i don't know if this is the same for you but i have friends that have families and i have friends that have teenagers that are dealing with those situations that teenagers can cause yeah yeah and and the the friends with younger toddlers the terrible twos xyz whatever yeah whatever kind of situation they're going through and, and it can feel weird to reach out and be like hey buddy i'm struggling with this and you just hope that they're not like overwhelmed by their own situations and at the same time you don't want to overwhelm them with your burdens yeah it feels like as a man you should deal with these things on your own and and keep that vulnerability to yourself because you you don't want to burden other people yeah so it's it's a tough balancing act between i don't want to exhaust this person with my issues but at the same time i need it it would be smart to reach out and, and ask for help when you need it. Yeah. But then true. again, you also got to train yourself to deal with your shit on your own. And that's what I learned when I was out living on my own 2,000 kilometers away from friends and friends and family in rural Nova Scotia. True. And Very there true. There was no one there to help me when the hurricane hit and I was out for five days without power. I did it all by my damn self. <laughs> yeah. What else are you going to do at I that point? A, I had a Lincoln with an electrical outlet, so... I just hotspotted off my phone and played video games in the back <laughs> of my truck. <laughs> right? Like, it's, yeah, it's actually, that's very true. Because yeah. you don't want to open up about stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Especially if things of pain as a man, yeah. like, you should be able to just kind of grit your teeth and get through it. Yeah. But, like, I mean, even for me, when I talk about the leg cramps, there's been times where I've had to, like, piss myself. Because it's yeah. like, I can't move. I can't do anything. Yeah. And it's hard to talk. Like, I had to talk about the doc to, to the doctor about it. Uh, my physio. Like, it's hard to just say shit like that, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, like, there's been times with gout attacks where I've had to crawl on my yeah. hands and knees. Crawl yeah. to the bathroom. For sure. Crawl and pull myself up using the counter to make a microwave meal. Yeah. Because I, I can't make it to the store. And, and thank God I had stocked up out of covid fear stocked up on non-perishables like canned food and such true i'm, I'm a very buy what you need as you need it I yeah i have a stockpile i don't have a pantry i just buy what i need as i need it yeah exactly and when covid hit when i was out east i was like you know maybe i should buy some non-perishables true <laughs> and luckily that helped me out in times of need with covid or uh with uh gout sorry true yeah man yeah it's rough it gets rough in terms of vulnerability. But uh, another question I know is on that list. What was the most vulnerable time? Like, what was the most vulnerable thing you ever had to go through? And how did you deal with it? Um, that's a good question. I feel like I'm going back to the same things. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> yeah, definitely with the toxic relationship stuff. And needing to reach out for help true so i lived with this individual and i lived in a outside student residence that was like managed by an external company and i reached out to the management there and was like i don't feel safe 
where I live, can you help me find another apartment? Fuck. Because she started seeing some unsavory people, and they were the type of unsavory people that wouldn't think twice about hurting someone else. Yeah, true. And she was saying things about me that would might convince them to hurt someone else, like myself. It's being or vindictive. someone that I like. Yeah, just yeah. very, very vindictive. True. Very vengeful individual. And, uh, you know, it's it's all done and over with now, but I felt very vulnerable in that moment, going sleeping on friends' couches and, and having her literally send me pictures of where I was at. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. And, and, like, threaten, like, I know where you're at right now. I see your car. And I'm like, ah, oh, fucking shit. All right. Well, what do I do? Yeah, what I felt vulnerable do? in that moment. Um, that's very vulnerable because that's yeah. like, that's like prey, you know, predator <laughs> yeah. to prey type shit. Yeah, yeah, and I, I mean, again, it's like I I'd never hurt or touch a woman unless she put my life in danger, and and at that moment, as a man, like, what do you even do? Like, yeah. reach out to the reach out to the cops and be like, my my X Y Z girlfriend is yeah. threatening me. You're like go fuck yourself. Yeah, deal with it, boy. Exactly. Exactly. It's uh, it's it's hard. It can be it can be tough as a man, especially in situations like that. Relationships always they can bring out the best and the worst in people. And people can flip a switch seemingly in their brain and become a completely different person entirely as to what you fell in love with. <laughs> and it can be very very scary. Yeah. Very confusing. Very scary. And it can make you feel very vulnerable true true yeah but then there's there's people like my girlfriend now and she just lifts me up every single day she's yeah. one of the most amazing people i've met in a very long time and uh yeah, yeah it's much my first sm- time much smarter her. than me much uh <laughs> well, in most cases i got an edge on her in a couple aspects <laughs> but uh she's uh no she's great i love her Nah, yeah i feel the same way like uh yeah I remember, I remember my brother, uh, I remember calling my brother, I was in a toxic relationship myself, it was when I was younger, and his birthday had passed, and I missed his birthday, and I didn't call him or anything, and I call him to wish him a happy birthday, but I'm going through a bunch of shit, again, not hard to open up about stuff like that, right? Yeah. And I just start crying, <laughs> I was like 18 maybe, and I'm just start, I start bawling, I'm like, I'm sorry I missed your birthday, and then I told him about, you know, breakup that I'm going through, and this and that, and he's like semi like he's feeling for me but also he's like he's 12 years older so he's like ah like this is just what fucking happens like yeah you know and i remember he was just telling me he's like he's like if this doesn't happen he's like you're not gonna meet the person you're supposed to be with he's like i was in a shitty relationship he's like i never would have met my wife unless i went through that and and moved on to this Mm -hmm. he's like he's like this is this is fine this is okay and, like, I, you know, at the time you don't get it, but, like, now that I'm with my wife, it's like, thank God that I went through that, you know? Yeah. Thank, thank God I went through it, got through it, knew what a toxic person was, knew how to deal with that type of thing. Because mm-hmm. as soon as you find somebody who's amazing, you can actually, like, appreciate that shit. Yeah. Like, being on a whole see, different level. Being able to see the signs, being able to see the writing on the wall. Yeah. And accept it. Because, I mean, a lot of people... Like I have a lot of a lot of guy friends that have been through similar situations with cheating and 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 exes being vindictive, vengeful, and sometimes it feels like in retrospect you're like, 
I wasn't seeing red flags. I was walking through a fucking red flag factory with blinders <laughs> on, like a fucking moron. Yeah. How did you not notice that, Andrew? Yeah. What the fuck is wrong with you? It's true. Like, uh, you, were, you were just talking, it reminded me about definitely the most vulnerable I've ever felt. I was completing a pro. I was in college, and we were in the library. Six, seven hundred students in there. And me and my ex weren't talking at the time. And we were, I was doing a group project with a bunch of people. And we printed our report. Yeah. And I went over to the printer, which was in the corner of the library, in full view of the entire library. And she found me, and she cornered me, and she screamed in my face until I fucking wept. Wow. And I, because she was being so vitriolic over text and through voicemail and and all this other shit. And she found me, and she cornered me, and she got me, and she broke me down, and I felt like a child. It was terrible. Fuck. And I finally got away from her and or she left me alone memory's kind of fuzzy with that yeah yeah because it was so traumatic and i went over and sat down with my group and one of the other men in my group was like hey man you want to go for a smoke and, and walk around and i really appreciated that and he took me out and we walked around and, and we did and i calmed down and came back and she was gone and yeah of we, course. we finished out the project and you know i ended up graduating graduating with the best gpi i ever had I never really applied myself in school, but I managed to come out with a 3.9 GPA from that. Even going through all that bullshit, getting that kind of GPA was very good for me. That's crazy. But, uh, yeah. Fuck. Haven't thought about that one in a while, but that was wild. That was wild. That's tough, man. The ball's on her to corner me and, and scream at me and air our domestic dispute in front of 700 students. Props to her. <laughs> I'm having the balls to do that. Well, I mean, you know. It's fucking the life you live when you know you can't get punched in the face, right? Yeah, true enough. You know, I mean, it's not like you're gonna uppercut her out of nowhere. Yeah. You're not, you know what I mean? Like you're not gonna do anything. <laughs> Pulling some Mortal Kombat move out of nowhere, <laughs> right? Ah. But it's like it's like that, right? Like you yeah. know, she knows you're not gonna do anything. She knows she's with a a good guy. Mm-hmm. You know, she knows she's not with some dirtbag who's gonna haul off and just punch her out, right? I'm not so, a guy unless you put my life in danger, right? So, yeah. it's it's the sad thing that happens when somebody understands you know woman to man interactions and takes advantage of it you know that's why i see so many of those videos online these days about you know karen yeah karen this karen that oh fuck off karen i got a karen here and man i love watching those videos (laughs) i really do I really do. I'm kind of addicted. Those are street fight videos. Bad. <laughs> Man. Uh, um, it used, I used to watch videos like that to cope. When I was going through hard times, I'd watch someone else absolutely melting down and be like, well, I'm not there, so I guess I'm okay. It could be worse. I could be this woman shitting on the floor of a Tim Hortons. Uh, I'm not. Okay. I guess I guess I could get my shit together because I haven't reached that point. And, thro- and throwing it. I know that video. Uh, yeah, you know the video I'm talking about. I know that video. What do you mean? Just tossing Timbits everywhere. Fucking... <laughs> So what's the next question on there? Next question. There should it should be the fifth question. When it comes to dealing with your emotions, how do you go about it? There you go. Ooh. So that could be uh, I've got my good way of dealing with emotions, which is talking about it. Yeah. Talking to people that I love and care about, friends and family. 
and, and, and getting through it. And then I've got a way that I don't, that isn't healthy, which is I have a habit of pulling away. So after all the mm-hmm. death happened in my family, I pulled away from friends and family and kind of shut down, even towards my girlfriend to a certain amount. True. And and I would just eat. Yeah. I nachos here, bag of smart food, white cheddar there. You know, yeah. three bags of Lay's chips, go to the gas station at 11 o'clock at night and spend $40. Yeah, yeah. Just, just you know, speed running a bag of Lay's in, in 45 seconds. Just being real dumb about it. And and those are the unhealthy ways that I would deal with it. But I, I've gotten better with articulating myself and talking to especially my girlfriend. And... and just talking about how I'm feeling and, and the way that things are and not being afraid to actually cry yeah. if I need to and, and get those emotions out because those emotions are healthy at the end of the day. I mean, it's taboo for men to cry, but it's okay to feel those emotions. Yeah. Um, there, was a, there was a girl that I had met in college um, that helped me out through that toxic relationship a lot. I slept on her couch for a month. Um, before I was able to find another place to live that wasn't with my ex. Mm. And uh, she was doing some psychology elective courses, and she was really smart with it. And she was talking, she'd have a lot of those talking points, like, it's okay to feel those emotions. It doesn't make you any less of a man to shed a tear. It doesn't make you any less of a, a human to hurt and to feel down and to pull away for a bit. But you've got to know when it's unhealthy, when you're getting to a point where, all right, well, I haven't gone outside in two weeks. I should probably go get some sun and eat some healthy food. Yeah. Um, you you got to be able to set that boundary and know when to ask for help. Because with, with a lot of things, like depression can be a disease, but a lot of it is making that choice and, and stepping up, not as a man, but just as a human and stepping up and knowing when you need to ask someone. Yeah. Like, hey, man, I'm struggling. Can you help me? Did you like, could you take a phone call? Like anything. Yeah. Yeah, it's so true. So true. Dealing with emotions is, uh, it's tough. I actually just had something like that. Yeah. You know, uh, speaking of opening up, um, I was talking with my wife and we were talking about like what we're going to eat for like the cheat day that we're going to have. And, yeah. uh, and I wanted like pizza. Like we both wanted like this pizza. Yeah. And there were these frozen pizzas at the grocery store that look amazing. Yeah. They look, they look so good. And I wanted to get those. And she wanted to get something else that was, like, more expensive. But right now we have to save. And I'm, like, not in between jobs, but I'm releasing a client right now because I don't want to keep overextending myself to this client. So it's like, you know, financial situations change a little bit, Mm -hmm. right? And, uh, yeah, so it's just a little harder. So when she told me that she didn't want the the frozen pizza, I started to feel – I took it, like – like, I internalize it like she's not going to want what I'm able to provide. Because I, ex- I can't provide the other more expensive thing right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I can only afford the frozen pizza type thing. I hear you. Right? And it just, uh, yeah, it made me do exactly what you're talking about. I withdrew. I got quiet and everything like that. Mm-hmm. But then, like, I went. I took a piss. I came back. And I'm like, you know what? I should just, like, I should just say what the problem is. Cause yeah. Because it's just better to do that, right? Yeah, I hear you. And I said that, 
and I let her know like that's how I'm feeling and you know when you're with the right woman they'll always make you feel better right away which she did and uh yeah it's just hard man it's hard to open up about some things Mm -hmm. even with somebody like she's my wife you know we've been together for like almost six years now Mm -hmm. but yeah it's 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 tough and you you do have to be able to open up and ask for that help Mm -hmm. because in a way that's what i was doing i knew that wasn't the actual case you know i knew i was just feeling that way like my manhood was just kind of getting bruised in that sense yeah you know but but yeah i just had to me me opening up was pretty much me asking for help like yeah can you please tell me that that's not the case (laughs) yeah and i feel like a lot of people that are like that especially financially especially these days yeah man i mean we're we're recording this in july of 2022 inflation's fucked housing market's fucked unemployment is at an almost all-time low it's like the lowest it's been in at least the past what was it 30 40 years fuck it's which is wild because there's so many job vacancies everywhere yeah some stores can't afford to stay open because they don't have enough staff and i'm making the most money i've ever made in my life but i'm poorer than i've ever been (laughs) i've sold my sports car i've got a in a 2020 toyota true true cheaper payments um i moved from a two thousand dollar a month apartment to a sixteen hundred dollar a month apartment and i'm still looking at my bank account like a house five six seven years away maybe yeah Uh, it's it's hard and i was reading a story online the other day where um there was a an elderly co-worker that a younger individual was talking to and they started talking about this generation and their 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 wishes like what do you what do you hope for it's like i hope to be successful i hope to own a home i hope to be able to put food on the table and provide for my family yeah and this older coworker related to his grandfather who had the same hopes in the great depression in the fucking 30s yeah yeah that's what they hoped for they hoped to own a home yeah they hoped to be able to provide for their family yeah they hoped to be able to put food on the table and for a lot of people like there were some news articles and statistics that a lot of canadians are cutting the amount of food that they eat to afford their other bills yeah like you look at between internet and cell phone you could spend from 100 to 200 dollars a month then you got your car insurance then you got your car note then you got your rent your utilities then you got your gas some people can't even afford to move to other places for opportunities yeah and uh that's where nova Scotia benefited me a lot where i i was so rural I had a two-bedroom house for 700 bucks a month. <laughs> Bro. Bro. Wow. That's how I afforded that fucking BMW. Yeah, true. Let me think. <laughs> the most money you've made is now when you bought a BMW before. Wow. When you got Nova Scotia cost of living. Hey, wow. bud. You can afford pretty much fucking anything. That's crazy. Yeah. When I The, the first place that I moved into was um, haunted as fuck. Really? <laughs> uh... It was a, a housing, like a, a fisherman's housing unit, bachelor apartment that was originally constructed in the early 1700s. Oh, no. And that place was uh, $425 a month. Fuck, eh? But yeah, it was haunted as shit. For the viewers, Whew. I am completely deaf in this ear. I uh, had 
uh, a virus which caused nerve damage when I was in grade school. Oh, let's just get past this thing. This thing's loud as oh, fuck. Yeah, AC unit. <laughs> so I had nerve damage when I was in grade school and took my hearing through nerve damage in my uh, right ear. And when I was in that apartment, I would hear like guttural screams in my deaf ear. Wow. I was like, really? What the fuck? It'd be like, like, really? What the fuck? Okay. Oh my God. It was wild. Um, There was this other incident where I was on the phone with my friend and we were talking and I heard this and I'm like, did you hear that? She's like, hear what? I didn't hear anything. I'm like, you didn't hear someone just shush? Oh no. You didn't hear someone go shush? Oh no. And I was walking through the (laughs) the middle of the, like the hallway of this, this small, it used to be three houses and then in the 1800s they built them all together. Wow. And put like a roof over it and built like this hodgepodge hallway in between the, in between the houses. Yeah. Which ended up being the units. And, uh, it was like this shush that I heard and she didn't hear it. And I'm like, but because I'm deaf, when I'm on the phone with my good ear, I talk louder. Of course. Cause it's like, it's like when, you know, you're on the phone and someone's out and you plug your ear and you talk like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, what the fuck? Did you hear that over the phone? She's not even hearing Yeah. I was wild. That's crazy. I've had a bunch of ghostly shit. So that was like, you had probably... Native American ghosts, pioneer type ghosts. Probably. Like just everything. Probably. There was a World War II naval base there too. Oh, wow. No. Shelburne, Nova Scotia. Look it up. You look at the bay, the harbor there. The harbor's about a kilometer wide. One of my uh, friends there that I made, uh, well, the husbands of a co worker there, he was a museum, uh, museum guy. He would walk us through and tell us stories. Yeah. And uh, so the harbor is a kilometer wide. And during World War II, because of the naval base in Shelburne, Nova Scotia, it was packed so tightly together with ships that you could walk across the decks of ships from one side of the harbor to the other. Wow. A full kilometer in width. Wild. Wild. Jeez. Wild. All right, all right. What's the next question on there? Next question. Ghost hunter. (laughs) (laughs) When was the last time that you felt very scared and how did you deal with it? Oh. So when my dad was dying, I was, and this is before I met my girlfriend, I had been single for some three, four years at that point. So uh, the last prior relationship was uh, 2016, 2017, and then I moved out to Nova Scotia for three years, and then I came back, and I had a full-blown panic attack. Completely uncontrollable heart rate spiking, sweating. I thought I was dying. Um, and it was over the thought that I'm going to be single forever. I'm going to be lonely forever. Mm. I'm never going to have children. And it just scared the fucking shit out of me. Because, first of all, I thought I was dying. <laughs> Second of all, mm. that... The, the enormity of losing my father or the imminent loss of my father because it was very clear that he was in his final months. Yeah. And, and just the thought that, you know, he's not going to see me walk down the aisle. He might never see me be with someone and be truly happy. He, I might never have kids and then my mom's not getting any younger. Yeah. And just 
looping through all of those thoughts like you're in this paranoia and just the fact that I wasn't able to control my heart rate or my breathing also scared me because I was like physically not in control of my body. I took a cold shower and it, it, it didn't help. Um, the way I got out of it, this panic attack probably lasted like half an hour. And um, I ended up going for a walk by the water and just, just got out there, just beeline, just, you know, pajamas, socks wow. and shoes. I was just like, I need fresh air. I need to get out of this environment. Yeah. That, that, like I started out of this panic attack in this environment of my shitty apartment. Mm. And I needed to change locales and, and get somewhere out in nature in a different, brighter environment. True. Seeing, you know, listening to the birds, seeing the water. And that calmed me down. And I managed to come out of that. But that fucking terrified me. There have been some other situations that have been kind of scary. But those have been more people-oriented situations. Like um, college in Lindsay, Ontario. I was beside somebody who got shot. Fuck. Not like not as the shooting was happened, but I was actually talking to the shooter. Oh wow! And I was like, "Why'd you shoot him?" He was like, mm, "He was being a dick." I was like, eh, "Kind of spooky." <laughs> You're like, "Am I being a dick?" <laughs> hey, buddy, you got real nice hair. Ah, oh man, you're so cute. <laughs> uh, you're so cute. You're so cute. Please don't shoot me. Um, <laughs> Uh, there, there've been some other situations like I, uh, I got into a big car crash when I was out in rural Nova Scotia. Um, uh, that actually leads me back to a previous thing that I said I might elaborate on later in terms of how I paid off my student loans was through the insurance settlement after that car crash. It almost killed me. True. Um, that, that's another situation, stuff like hurricanes and other stuff, but none of those things actually really scared me. I feel like not a lot of things scare me anymore because I've experienced so much. But at the same time, compared to other individuals in the world, I've experienced very little. The the whole not being able to control your own body, that's always a scary yes, thing. Yes, yes. That's that, why, that's that's why right that scared me because I'm usually in control of my element. Yeah. Um, like when I was in that car crash, I, I hydroplaned in torrential rain across a Nova Scotia highway. So I was out of, completely out of control. I was on the way to a tattoo appointment, and, you know, they say your life flashes before your eyes. I just felt bad for missing the appointment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in reality, before I called 911, I called the, I called the tattoo place. I was like, I'm going to have to cancel. Like, what happened? I just got in a car crash. Oh, my God, are you okay? I think I'm okay. My neck hurts, but I'm going to call 911. You have to call now. Click. And then I called 911, and then I called my mom. Crazy. But, uh that was that but i mean nothing like that didn't really scare me true you know it, it was a situation that i was in i was out of control of it i wasn't gonna like freaking out or or being physically or mentally scared wasn't gonna help me in that situation i was alone in the car i needed to have my wits about me to survive true um then again it, it, it could have been worse of course. Um, there was a semi coming. If I had spun out 10 seconds later, I would have got broadsided by a semi, and I would not be here. Yeah, yeah. But, you could have uh, flipped. Oh, flipped. I almost did flip into a swamp, yeah, but uh, the car <laughs> went up and then hit a big-ass boulder, and it oh, stopped. But I would have flipped into a swamp, which would have been crazy. All right. I can swim, though. 
So what's the what's the next question? Next question. Man, it's so funny how the water resets people. It really does. Yeah, getting know, getting right? around water actually resets you. Oh, dude. It's I, so good. To go off it's on so a tangent with, with water and, and being out in nature and being out that far rurally in Nova Scotia, I was violently allergic to the environment at large. All trees and grasses to the point where I would like, if I went out through a field with ragweed, I'd start vomiting. And uh, <laughs> quite literally, yeah, bad. I would take uh, allergy shots, like the injections, like the... What? Yeah, on top of taking like Arius and Claritin and rotating every few months so my body wouldn't get used to a certain mixture. Holy. And uh, I haven't taken an allergy pill in three years. Exposure. Yeah, that clean air out there yeah. cured all of my allergies. That's amazing. Wild. Like my eyes would get puffy just being outside near grasses or a cat or a dog. Yeah, I've noticed Nothing these days. I've noticed that with myself because now I get into nature a lot. And now I do a lot of grounding. I'll like take my shoes and socks off in certain areas and just walk around in the grass and stuff. Get a lot of sun. And I've noticed that I get around water a lot more. And I've noticed allergies haven't kicked up at all. Mm-hmm. And my buddy Mike, you you already met him. He has yep. a cat. And I, I like literally, I was like, I'm getting over this shit. Yeah, I'll, I'll pet his cat every day. And, you know, I literally, like, rub the cat and then rub my face. And, like, I'm good now. Like, it probably looks crazy. Yeah. But it's, like, completely gone now. All of it. Like, I don't think Just I'm allergic to any of it anymore. Pick up the cat. And... Yeah. Yeah, basically. Like, yeah. so. So, let's see our next question here. What is something you wish you did earlier as a man coming of age? Ooh. Ooh that's heavy. <laughs> workout true fitness true um i only started working out when i was 25 up until i was like wow 20 yeah like i never touched any weights and all throughout high school i was a pencil i was six foot 130 wow 135 <laughs> what yeah and uh I, I never even lifted a weight. I, I didn't have the self-confidence. And I was so, so this, the, I guess it would be social anxiety. The social anxiety was wild. It's crossing. Um, yeah, we don't want to yeah. get hit by that sprinkler up yeah. there to bring you through the fourth wall. True. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the social anxiety, having yeah. to go to the gym and everything. Man, when I was working at Bed Bath uh, before I fe- met my uh, friend Rob, I had really bad social anxiety, even though I was a back-end manager and, you know, got to yell at part-timers, being a part-timer myself, getting <laughs> minimum wage. I fought for a raise at that place, and they gave me 25 cents on the dollar. Oh, that's what, that was a raise back then. Good Lord. But <laughs> I, uh, the social anxiety was crazy, and so I wouldn't go to a gym. I wouldn't lift weights. My dad had some weights in the basement at my childhood house. I never even touched them. Maybe a few times just to like mess around. And But I wish I had paid uh, more attention to my physical fitness and my and just my social fitness as well, I guess if you could say. Just going out and stretching your legs and getting into conversations with people. I was far, far, far too invested into computers and video games. And I burned <laughs> a lot of years of my life. Um, on just pointless shit like looking back do i really did i really gain much out of all those mmos (laughs) 
What the fuck was I on the computer for 12 hours a day playing video games for? <laughs> Those MMOs. What did I get out of that? Nothing. Fuck. And, and just being able to get physical and, and get those aggression and feelings out through weightlifting and other stuff. Um, there's a brief period of time where I was never professional at it and I would barely even call myself an amateur at it, but I did powerlifting. Power, True. I should say I did powerlifting movements. True. I did squats and deadlifts and overhead presses and got yeah, pretty good at it. I love myself a rack pull. Toss 400 and something pounds on a bar and, and pull that up. You feel like a fucking man. Yep. Jesus. That's just <laughs> fun, man. Uh, yeah, that's that's very true. I remember, I remember straight deadlifting, and like some it. some guy was pulling. I think he's pulling like four twenty five. Yeah, and I was like good. I was like in shape and everything. And he's like, "Can you do this?" And like I was like, "Probably." Yeah. And he's like, "Nah." <laughs> it was like his like most that he could do his PR. Yeah. And he's like, "Here, take some chalk." I'm like, "Chalk." I'm like, "I'm not putting chalk all over my hands." And he's like, "Take this belt." I'm like, "Belt." I'm like, "I'm not wearing a belt." I'm like, "I'll just." Lift it up. And then you get into the smelling salts, the ammonia yeah. salts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, this guy was into all of that stuff. Oh. And I just grabbed it, no belt, no chalk, and just did it for reps. Just did it raw, as yeah. they say. Yeah. Did it for reps, and he was just like, he's like, you should become a power lifter, bro. I'm like, <laughs> nah. I'm like, I just I just deadlift that amount sometimes. But it does make yeah. you feel manly. Like, yeah. I felt like I ran the gym at that point. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it doesn't, as, as far as men in fitness, it doesn't have to be weightlifting. You don't have to get all macho and powerlifty and professional about it. You don't need a belt. You don't need gloves. Yeah, you don't right. need chalk. And it doesn't even need to be weightlifting. Go for a run. Go for a walk if you're a fat fuck like I used to be. Um, like, when my dad, when I was out in Nova Scotia, I was up to... 250. Wow. And I lost 70 pounds in less than a year because I was determined when I found a job back in Ontario and I saw my dad, I was not going to be a fat fuck. True. And I was, I was hell bent. I'd walk until I was in so much pain that I couldn't walk anymore being overweight. And then I'd turn around and walk the fuck home. Because I didn't have a goddamn choice. <laughs> I just did what I needed to do to get where it, to where I needed to be, and I lost that weight. And That's, then my dad passed, and I gained it all back. But yeah, you know, life. That happened to me too. I gained a good uh, fifty pounds. Like I, I was at two seventy two at my biggest. Yeah. When after my dad passed, and it was like I couldn't even really at the time correlate it with my dad passing. It was yeah. like he passed. I didn't process it properly. And then Same. I just started eating, just eating, eating, yeah. eating, Comfort you know? Foods. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. I was just doing it so much, I just didn't even realize. Yeah. Like, I didn't even realize, I didn't even realize how big I was getting. Same. Like, I didn't, you know what I really didn't realize until I was in Vegas getting this tattoo, this, uh, this mushroom tattoo. Yeah. And my buddy Mike was taking a video. And, like, the video of me, it's like I had this a straight up belly, you know, like tits. And like you know, like I was big. I was like, "Yo, what the fuck?" You know what it was for me? It was Father's Day, and I was out in Nova Scotia, and I went to take some selfie videos of myself by some cool stuff that I knew my dad would like. True. And I was gonna send it through WhatsApp to my dad, who was currently in hospital. Mm -hmm. And I looked at those videos of myself, and I was a fucking slob. True. I was. Uh, I still have this sweater, and it was like I, it was like one of my favorite hoodies, zip-up hoodies, and it was like stretched out tight, yeah. tight on my body. Yeah, and I was like, oh, "Fuck!" 
what did you do? How'd you let this happen to yourself? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, fuck. Yeah. And uh, that's when I realized. And, and even looking in, I would, I'd fly back sometimes. Uh, I flew back to go to a, a cottage weekend with some friends. And then I, after that cottage weekend, I immediately went back and saw my dad. Because he was doing better at that point. And I needed that time with friends. Yeah. And uh, there were some pictures taken of me. And looking at those pictures, just the gut and the stretch marks and the yeah. just not okay. So I was at my, I was at 245, 250 at my heaviest. I got down to 178 at my lightest. Nice. Um, but the, the big chunk, that was a more of a slow burn. Uh, to get down to that um, after after reaching the 70, 70 pounds or 60 pounds lost or whatever. I'm kind of foggy on the exact numbers, but... That's rough. It was, uh, it was a wild journey, and I, I did what needed to be fucking done, but I burned myself out and burned my body out pretty hard Yeah, doing it. But, hey, I made it work. True. Yep. All right, what's the next question there? Next question. What is the biggest misconception men have about being a man what was a misconception that you had growing up about being a man um that you have to deal with all your own shit yourself package it up and deal with it it's it's unmanly to show emotion Mm -hmm. um it's unmanly to struggle or to show that you're struggling Mm -hmm. i feel like that's a i i feel like being man enough to talk about your feelings and being man enough to be able to shed a tear amongst friends when you're struggling and you're talking about it that makes you more of a man yeah yeah if you have the balls to actually show that emotion amongst people that you love and trust but might not be family it might be like friends or extended friends acquaintances and being able to show and be vulnerable i feel like that is that shows that you're more of a man than bottling it up inside drowning yourself in a drink or another another vice yeah. and just dealing with it yeah true you know? true enough that is very true man mm-hmm. it took me a while to figure that out a very long time yeah the the quicker guys can figure that out like if you could be fucking 17 and figure that out yeah. oh man yeah life's gonna get a lot better yeah, for especially you. with the shit that kids get a hold of these days yeah, Got your man. Xanax bars and <laughs> Fuck. fucking lean and whatever the fuck else the kids are doing. When I was when I did another stint back in back in uh, back in college, yeah. <laughs> come home in my uh, I was 27 at the time, and having my barely 18 year old roommate all fucked up on Xanax. Right. I'm like, yo, you good? Like, yeah, man, I'm fine. <laughs> You're not fucking fine, you idiot. <laughs> Look at you. Yeah, you got you problems. I'm You barely even form a fucking sentence. Yeah. The fuck are, you're, you're 18 years old. Yeah, man. It's <sighs> rough. It's, it's wild. Rough. It's, it's rough. tough for kids these days, but at the same time, as you said, the earlier you learn that lesson that it's okay to be vulnerable, it's okay to talk about your feelings, and it, it's okay to just... It's it's not okay to lay into these vices as a as a way of getting over your your issues. Yeah, yeah, because because right. then it sets you up on the right path. Mm-hmm. Like it sets you around the right people. Yeah. As you can start doing that, because then you know the guys who 
can't do that or won't do that or put you down for doing that, you know to stay away from them. And the yeah. more you can get around more guys that are like that, mm-hmm. the better you're going to be. Like, now you have a group of friends where you can actually open up and yeah. everybody can talk. It's like it's like your, your core set of friends becomes like a men's group. Yeah. And, like, there's nothing better than that. Yeah. Right? My first stint in college, 2007, I was a budding alcoholic. <laughs> I would spend over $1,000 a month in alcohol. Wow. At six foot one, six foot two, 150 pounds. Wow. <laughs> I was bad. I was, ter- I was shit haircut, <laughs> terrible with women, terrible with men, terrible with making friends. I'd just fucking go out and buy booze and drown myself. There was a point where the RA had to had to unlock my room because my roommates didn't know if I was still alive. Wow. Because I hadn't come out and they, because I'd come out at night yeah. and make food at like three in the morning and they didn't see me for weeks straight. I didn't even go to class because oh, okay. I was such an alcoholic. So they had the check. Yeah. They definitely had the check. I mean, alcoholism uh, to some degree would run in my, or ran in my extended family. I had one of my favorite uncles die of alcoholism. Wow. And I've had other, other um, relatives almost lose their jobs over their alcoholism and my dad struggled as well when I was when I was very young Um, there was one point where he was drunk and he fell into the pool in the backyard and he almost hit his head on the edge of the pool wow and uh, my mom saw it from the upstairs window at the back and she ran out and screamed at him and it was non-alcoholic beers from that point on out wow uh, it, it gets dangerous and even today I have some friends that struggle, and because of the struggles that I've been through, I have a very, it's not a very popular opinion, it's kind of mean. I don't really like to call alcoholism a disease. I know it is in some sense, but diseases aren't something that you choose. You can't make a choice and get better from cancer. You can't make a choice and get rid of your arthritis. True. You, al- getting over alcoholism starts with a choice. You True. ask for help and you commit to getting that help. Yeah. And you keep it, you stay on the train. It's not like that with other, other diseases. So it, that could be a pretty controversial opinion. But just because what I had been through with, with my tendencies and, and what relatives had been through yeah. and lost lives and hurt children and spent life savings on alcohol. Yeah. Um, it starts with a choice. Yeah, very true. It could be a very difficult choice. It could be a, a chemical addiction that you have to overcome, but nonetheless, it is a choice. And, and you gotta, you gotta commit to that decision to get help. Yeah. No, yeah, you're right. That is actually a great point. You can't choose cancer like you you can fight to try and get better and do what you got to do but like you don't have a choice yeah like you can you know you can't just put down cancer one day yeah and just be like like, oh my my hand is crippled with rheumatoid arthritis i choose this Ah, i'm fine again yeah it's um, like you know six months later after going through arthritis aa yeah exactly (laughs) you don't you don't get there like that it's not a choice you can make true enough so what's the next question? Next question. Let's plow through. <laughs> what's the most difficult part about being a man? <sighs> expectations of society. Oh yeah, that's true. The expectations of society are large around you. You're expected to. 
even even working yeah i could dumb it down to an extreme even as a man and i'm sure other men who have worked retail will will know this you're a man on the floor at a at a retail store you lift that heavy box yeah hey you climb that ladder with a vacuum on your back to top stock it at bed bath and beyond (laughs) (laughs) you fucking go up and bring down that that box of paper plates there there's this and, and that's dumbing it down to an extreme, but there, yeah. there's a broad expectation of men to be capable of doing certain things in, in certain ways. And uh, then then you can reverse that, and there's an expectation that women shouldn't be capable of doing these things. Yeah. Like, they're, women can be physical. Women can be good with their hands. Women can be handy in the sense of building things and constructing things. Yeah. And, uh, and men often are... Um, are presumed to be this way and when they're not they're not considered to be men in some sense in some aspects yeah you're not manly so you could be like oh you you've never drilled a hole in the wall before you've never built a deck before what kind of man are you oh man i feel that way oh you're not handy you don't know how to hang a picture on a wall huh Man, that's why that picture is on the floor when that's you walk into my house because I'm I don't know how to yeah, do oh. it. I don't know how to do it, and I don't want to ask my wife. The, I don't want to hit the pipe spot. Are the pipe? Is there a pipe? Do, do the stud finders find pipes? Am I, I going to burst a water pipe? Am I going to electrocute? I don't want I don't my know. wife to have to do it. I don't know. I talk about it all the time. Let's yeah. sit on that bench. I was so Fuck emasculated yeah. when oh. when we had a TV to put on the wall. The TV you saw, yes. and and I was like, yeah, okay, I'm going to put it up. Don't worry. I went to work, I came back and it was on the wall and I'm like, oh, I just, I took too long because it was like two days it was sitting there and she just did it. And I was like, fuck. fuck. And I'm like, and I still oh. to this day don't know how to do that. I'm like, how did she do it? Did she do it herself. <laughs> yeah. She's I'm, just I'm like, th- I asked, I like, asked she, I, I would, but the thing is she asked my dad, she asked her dad. Oh, so that no. means, that means her dad knows that oh. she went and got the stuff and she went and did it. And I'm sitting here like some dick. And her dad's the type of guy, he's like, if, I, if he wants to build a shed, he's like, okay, I'm going to put it right there. Okay, we're building a shed now. Yeah. He just knows how to do shit. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. You know I'm what like, I mean? What type of lumber? What type of nails? What? How far apart are the joists? I got to look up a goddamn fucking YouTube video and like nerd you, out for a bit. Like you saw her brother. He's just like, yeah, I'll get a crane. No yeah. problem. And I know how to use it. I'm yeah. like, I don't know what to do Like, right even now. down to the fact that the fucking... Cr- <laughs> crane on the back of a truck that he drove to your place didn't even have proper fucking working brakes and he's like oh fuck it i'll make it work yeah i'd be like no brakes sorry babe can't do that today they're just men they're just men in her family and i'm just like ah i'm not (laughs) yeah yeah no like the girlfriend's like she wants me to build her deck you gotta be on the other side or yeah this is side. she wants me to build her a deck a porch wrap around porch some lumber Take a lumber. I don't have a truck. I got a Corolla. I don't know what to do. Do I got to rent a U-Haul? That's the worst, man. Hmm. That's a big thing. Do I use screws? Do I use nails? Do I got to use those fucking sleeve things? Or is that for drywall? Like I don't know. Like I put up my own pull-up bar. I like had to screw it in at certain points. I felt so good. I was like, there we go. I put a pull-up bar once in college and I ripped the fucking door frame piece (laughs) off with it when I fucking... Like, oh, Man, fuck. I'm not handy. Well, I'm working pay the on it. Security deposit, get the fucking guy to fix it. Whatever. Yeah, I'm working on it, but yeah, like, like the first thing I did, like the first big thing is what you saw in the front. How I like did the, I dug out did the, the garden and there. I yeah, pulled yeah. out the roots and 
I lifted the fucking 300 pounds of dirt and gravel that we had to get out of there, and and I fucking brought the fucking it was literally like three four hundred pounds of mulch yeah that's in there that you just saw dude like i did that and i'm like okay i'm working on it i'm working on it. i'm getting better one of my first and most favorite jobs was i worked at uh white rose nurseries back in the early 2000s when i was in high school white rose it was like a wholesale nursery arts and crafts place people might remember and uh, I, I, I was working there throughout my bankruptcy, or throughout my bankruptcy. White Rose <laughs> went bankrupt, and I worked there during the bankruptcy. True. Getting tongue-tied. And, uh, man, we would, uh, because everything was on bankruptcy clearance, people would just come in and be like, I'd like 360 bags of topsoil. Oh, and yeah. I'm like, fucking Jesus. I'm like... And now you got to handle Seven, that? 16, 17 years old with all my friends working there, and I'm lifting. Each bag is like 80 liters, whatever that equates to in pounds of topsoil. <laughs> uh, we did the calculations at one point, and it then ended up that each individually, me and my friends, were lifting like over a metric ton a piece of soil every weekend. Okay. But we, because it was clearance and bankruptcy, we were selling everything from like the shelves and the shopping carts to the cash registers and <laughs> the actual like trees and True. stuff in the nursery. Yeah, that That's... was a that was a fun job though. Because it was a bankruptcy, they they straight out said we don't give a shit how you treat customers. Wow. Just sell the shit. Wow. So if a customer would be rude, like you'd have a Karen you come can, in, you, you could be like, like "Fuck you, bitch! I don't give a fuck." Really? You want this fucking tree? Go get the fucking tree. Toss it over the fucking thing into the alley. Fuck you. Wow. (laughs) There is this woman who was giving my buddy attitude. And she had an empty stroller. And he was like, ma'am, I don't know how to answer your question. I am the senior most manager on duty right now, but I don't know how to answer your question, so you're probably going to have to come back another day. And she's like, that's absolutely unacceptable. You're not going anywhere until I answer your question. And he just fucking rammed the the cart of stuff that he was moving outside to be sold into the empty stroller and just knocked it over. And he was like, fuck you, bitch, get out of my way. Just kicked her stroller clean over. Wow. <laughs> he just walked out. That place didn't give a fuck. Eh? Yeah, like, no, like, we're done. Full bankruptcy, so wow. they're like, we don't, we don't give a shit about customer service. The entire thing is going out of business, anyways. Wow. Sell everything as fast as you can. We don't care. Can you? Ima- can you? I couldn't imagine being in a store and your the boss, customer your is boss never is, right. Yeah, your boss walks in. and He's like, "Listen, fuck these people. You understand <laughs> yep. me? Yep. I don't give a fuck what they say. Yep." I don't give a fuck what they want. Allegedly. Legally, <laughs> allegedly, this happened. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe I'm lying. Who knows? Man. Yeah. All right. What's another question on there? How far are we? Where are we at? We're getting there. We're Show getting me. there. Show me. Where are we at? What is the most important lesson you've learned about being a man and manhood? Mm. Hmm. It's being able to handle shit yourself when it comes to like, um, like being able to see, see through a problem, like go throughout an issue and, and, um, solve it yourself. But yeah. knowing that you, you can go and ask for help at some a point in time, I feel like I'm doubling, we're doubling back on questions that we've already elaborated on through nah, other nah, tangents. I know but what you mean, like, like yeah. your own life shit, being yeah. able to handle it, but also. Yeah. Knowing, knowing where that line is between I got this and I don't got this. True. Yeah. True. Because for every man, that line is in a different spot. For some men, like your uh, brother-in-law, 
He can handle his shit. Yeah, he right? can he can <laughs> fucking build something from scratch with a thought in his head, and uh, and for for some men, it's it may not be that easy to do that, and you might have to reach out for help, be it from a contractor or something. But that goes mentally and emotionally as well, yeah. knowing that all right, with my panic attack, mm. I knew what I needed to do. I needed to change locations. I'm a very physical person. When I when I used to smoke a lot, I found that if I smoke weed in a place where I'm comfortable and I smoke weed in a place where I smoke weed all the time, I wouldn't get as high as if I changed locations and smoked weed in a place where I'm uncomfortable. Mm. If I went to a different area, if I went to a place I've never been before with people I'd never met and I smoked, I'd get so much higher. So I'm a very I'm I'm very physical in terms of like geographic location so I needed to change locales and I knew I needed to do that because I know my body and I know my mind and I knew that I needed to just change locations get some fresh air get out into nature and you'll this panic attack you'll get over it Um, whereas some people might really not know where that line is and it's important to figure out when you're capable of doing things on your own and when you need to reach out for help be it Throughout physical things or emotional things or mental things. True. Just knowing where to go and uh, yeah. and what that line is for you as a man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's next? Pick it up. Let me see. Let me see how many are left. Because we just left our ladies there. We just yeah, left. No, They've right, never right. even met each other yeah, before. Chilling. Oh, shit. They're, I'm gonna go back and she's gonna have some ideas. <laughs> oh well. Well, they're married, so. Yeah. Well. <laughs> wait. What? You're married with her. I. I propose. Hey, she wants a real rock. Those are expensive. I want a house first. Yeah. Right. Um. Jeez. Some things you had to do away with to become a better man. Ooh. Whew. Fucking video games. Fuck, eh? Vices. 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 That was my vice. Because I was socially anxious, so I just make friends online. I don't have to see them. There's no commitment. I can push a button at any time when I feel uncomfortable. And go away. And just go away. Um, Getting out into the world uh, and and expanding my my social views. One of the big ways that I got out of it was uh, when I was broke as fuck working working, uh, retail. My vacations because i couldn't afford to fly anywhere or go to resorts or anything like that i go to music festivals true like edm music festivals like veld in toronto or digital dreams in toronto or stuff like that and i just fucking throw myself into the pit and and just schmooze with some strangers and <laughs> just shoot the shit and vibe with people who are into music that i was into and that really broke me out of my shell in terms of being a socially anxious. It kind of cured myself. I remember you used to tell me some stories about that. I remember you'd be like, I'm going here, I'm going there. Yeah, and I'd go alone, completely alone, <laughs> with no expectation of what the fuck is going to happen. I'd just spend three, $400 on a VIP ticket. True. And uh, just go and have a fucking blast. 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., fucking take a bus downtown or drive downtown if I wasn't drinking. And hit the after party from midnight to 7 a.m. And then go to this girl's house till like 11 in the morning. And then drive home. Fucking did that six years in a row. And uh, broke out of my shell and became a much more open and social person. Open to talking, open to existing, open to making friends in real life and reaching out. And uh, Not that the internet isn't real, but uh, it's just, as I said, it's that ability to 
when, when your entire social life exists online, you can just, if you're uncomfortable, beep, yeah. you don't have to deal with it. Yeah, it's real, but it's not natural. Mm-hmm. Whereas in real life, you could re- you could get to that situation where you're a little uncomfortable and you have to battle through it. Yeah. Or you could just fuck off. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing stopping you from doing that, and that's okay. <laughs> I remember once. <laughs> I remember speaking of that. I remember once I was in an argument with uh, one of my exes, mm-hmm. and she was completely wrong, and she knew it, and she just looked at me, and she just turned around and sprinted away. It was it was so <laughs> crazy. <laughs> and I'm looking at her like 50 meters away, and I'm like, "What the fuck?" I'm like, "What?" <laughs> she just sprinted off, and it's not like I was like, "I'm gonna kill you." It was nothing like that. I was just like, "So," and she's just like, Whoa. and just and just darted away. I was like, I was like, "You can't do that." It's like that rabbit I keep seeing in my backyard. <laughs> well, you can't do that. <laughs> Oh, it's it was amazing. All right, Let's where are we see. at? Let me see. Uh, that was the do away one. Let's go down to uh, what's one current fear you have today? Ooh, being broke. Me too. Losing all of my money. Me too. Losing the ability to feed myself. Losing the ability to have social experiences with my friends. Yeah. Losing the ability to provide. Me too. Yeah. Um, people say money can't buy happiness. Fucking bullshit. Money is the most important thing, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. Um, people that say, well, money can't buy you happiness. Would you be happy homeless? Would you be happy if your family was homeless? Would yeah. you be happy if your children were starving? Money provides all of that. Mm. Um, family is extremely important. Friends are extremely important. But money is paramount to providing comfort and options and abilities to, to experience life. Yeah, I was going to say, it provides experiences and... And, you know, yeah. happiness is an experience. Ha- having a house, you know, having a nice big couch. Yeah. All those things are experiences. Yeah. And, like, Zig Ziglar, he's, like, a motivational speaker. He's mm-hmm. passed on now. He's an older guy. Yeah. He's, like, he's like money's not everything. He's, like, but it's right up there with oxygen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know, right? Like, money provides the opportunity to uh, just have options, mm-hmm. to experience life in a different way, to create... And not just exist. I don't want to just exist. I want to experience things. Yeah. And that costs money these days. Yeah. This It's the society we live in. You could, for very, very cheap, backpack across Europe. You could stay in hostels. But still, that takes money. You, you're privileged to be able to do those things. Yeah. Um, things like that uh, Vagrant Holiday guy on YouTube that we watch. Yeah. Like, he did, uh, he's got some videos on YouTube, viewers, if you want to look it up, go for it, if not, whatever. Um, but he does videos where he'll do, like, two months in Japan for, like, a grand. And he just brings a rucksack with a tent and some other basics and just camps and travels the, the country. And then flies back on a cheap flight. And, and that, basically 90% of his expenses are that flight. And that might be cheap, but he goes through some hard times on oh, that experience. That guy's, that guy's it's not. It's not easy. It's yeah, not like no. things are all paid for and stuff. He's going through hard times. Roughing it. He's literally finding like, okay, I'm behind a bush. I'll yeah. sleep here for six yeah. hours. It's called Vagrant Holiday. He's li- literally being homeless in another country. Yeah. It's rough. It's rough. So, I mean, that's that's not for everyone. You want to experience Japan, you can experience it from a number of lenses. But regardless, it costs fucking money. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. 
All right, all right. What's the what's the second last question? What aspect of manhood do you think needs to rekindle? Hmm. I don't know, man. That's a tough one. What do you think? I think uh, nature. Nature. Yeah, I agree. Nature is a big one. Getting back into nature. Knowing how to hunt. Having those... Um, oh, I want to learn how to hunt so bad. Me too, man. Like, just stuff like that. Like, getting back to those real... Um, what are they called? Like, uh, rites of passage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you look at those... Uh, I'm a big YouTube guy. I don't... I don't... I like curating my own experience. And I feel like there's a lot more variety on YouTube than there is in some experience it's curated for me through netflix but i like watching a lot of like bushcraft and like camping videos where a guy will go out with a gopro and a shovel and he'll subsist in wilderness with nothing and create something over the span of five days yeah and i find that absolutely fascinating knowing that these men know just i'm gonna go out and bring down this dead wood and if i set this up this way it'll protect me from this and if i set this up this way it'll collect some water and yeah. it'll condense over time and all the fresh water from the condensation or whatever the fuck i know nothing about that shit i mean in college i did one orienteering course where uh they fucking dumped us in the woods with a fucking compass and we found our way back over the course of like three or four hours yeah. well that's i mean i had two other guys with me who knew what they were doing, and I followed them. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, I mean, I'm not a nature guy. Yeah. A fucking mosquito bites me, I swell up. <laughs> Fuck, man, those things hit me hard. But even what you just said, like, you were with two other guys that knew, like, that's something that needs to be, like, done again. Like, when you get yeah. with a bunch of guys who do know your shit. You need shit, a mentor with that type of thing. Yeah. Especially then, with hunting. Like, yeah. hunting's, hunting is a very primal um uh, ability, a very primal activity, I should say, for men. But for a lot of men these days, uh, well, not even these days. For me specifically, I wouldn't want to hunt until I know that I can. I'm not gonna fucking like brutalize or mutilate this animal. Yeah. I'd want to get a kill shot and know how to get that kill shot. Um, it's not like you can. I don't know. I've never Googled it. Cameron Google Haynes. Google hunting courses. Cam Cameron Haynes talks about yeah, that. Yeah, Cam like, Haynes and like, shit, yeah. Like getting that good shot, like right around, I think it's the lungs and the heart area. Yeah. And just like hitting it and it's like dead within like five meters. Like it just kind of just, yeah. you know, tries to walk a little bit and just falls over and it's yeah. done. And then knowing what to do and like how to gut it and what parts to keep, what, car- what parts and then packing it out. Yeah. All that other shit. I'm, yeah, man. I've seen videos... I don't watch them all the time. I mean, I could watch more and probably learn a bit, but it's one thing to watch it. It's another thing to do it. Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. Once you feel that blood on your hands, you feel that the, the animal's body getting colder. You, you feel that and yeah. you experience it. It's different. I imagine. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, fucking, I imagine. What are your hopes for your son? Yeah. This is the last question. I'm still very, very undecided on kids for myself. Um... Financial security is a very big, uh, uh, is very important to me. Yeah. As uh, from the past few minutes of talking, I'm sure you realize, um, and I, I'm sure it's the same for most men. And speaking to some of my bosses who are in their mid 40s, you're never gonna be all the way there. And at some point, you just gotta pull the trigger because we're not getting any younger. Mm. Um, yeah. But hopes for my son. Oh, uh, just 
Um, a lot of my childhood was very good, but there are things that could have been improved upon. I'm not saying that my parents were bad parents by any means. They did their best with what they had. Mm. Um, there were things that they did amazing, and there were things that they could have improved upon. And I think that is a benchmark for a lot of men. Um, if someone had a father who was alcoholic, then they're likely going to base their future on, my parents did this, I don't want this to be. Yeah the future for my son I don't want them to live life for like how I did and I feel like that's a lot that says a lot for a lot of parents or that is the way it is for a lot of parents is that they experience their childhood a certain way and they want things to be matched the same or or differ in some way and and better and that's where um, a lot of people get their parenting ideas Um, for my son I don't know. It's difficult. If I decide to have children with climate change being the way it is, with the economy being the way it is, with me not in an ideal financial position, um, I'd have to put a lot of thought into it. I have a lot of ideas as to how I would raise a son. But as far as, as, far as hopes, I just hope they're happy. I hope they're successful. I hope they're able to live a full life with how the world is changing. Yeah, right. Um, it's scary. It's, um, having a child in the 80s probably would have been a lot easier, um, and as opposed to having a child now with all the open access to information that we have. Yeah. Um, I imagine in the 80s, the world was much the same as it is now. We just didn't have the ability to, to see what was going on at any moment in time throughout the world. That's true. I could go to a website right now and figure out what happened 10 minutes ago in the, in the Russia-Ukraine war. Yeah. I could uh, go to a website right now and and see a bunch of children getting shot in a school. Not see it, but read about it and read about the failings of, of society in that aspect. Yeah, you'd see an officer and, uh, sanitizing his hands. Yeah, looking while at his uh, looking at his Punisher phone. Uh, yeah, his Punisher phone background, which there's actually a story behind that. His wife, that officer's wife, was in one of the classrooms, so it's a bit more morbid. Not Jesus. as not as lighthearted with that one as terms of a rip against the officer. That man was suffering, but uh, well, that yeah. guy that guy wasn't the guy sanitizing his hands. Yeah, I know that was a different dude. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a bunch of shitheads. Yeah, there's a lounging <laughs> to. To uh, sidetrack and make it a bit more topical in terms of time, there's a thing that came out in the in Texas. They had more officers at that school than they had at the fucking Alamo, wow. and they did fucking jack shit. Yeah, yeah. Tim they ended up being a Fed agent who went in and fucking saved the goddamn day. Yeah, Tim Kennedy was upset about that. Oh, weird, so weird, upset. weird world we live in, man. And it's 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 very scary to want to bring a child into that, but I respect people that do. And uh, that time may come for me, and there's a lot of thinking that I'm going to have to do yeah, as to how that child is raised. The, the, the best advice I've gotten so far is uh, the best time to have a kid is uh, when you do it. Mm-hmm, yeah. It's the best time. Yeah. You'll never be completely ready. Never. Never. And uh, I've talked to a bunch of fathers, and a lot of them are just like, I wish I just did it sooner. Yeah. They're like, because I was scared. Because doesn't and I didn't stop know. sailing, man. That age, that clock doesn't stop ticking. Yeah. We're not getting any younger, and we're all here for a very, very limited amount of time. And yeah. you never know when something's going to take you. Yeah, exactly. You never know. Exactly. But uh, last thing. Let's go. Last thing for uh, advice for any young men struggling oh. through manhood. Struggling through manhood. Talk to your friends. True. See what they're going through. If you're a young man, 16, 17, 18, 
talk, sit down one-on-one with your friends. Because, yeah, no, I remember being a kid. We all do. You get in those group situations, everyone gets all macho. You're around, like, five, six, eight of your, eight of your 17-year-old friends. Everyone gets a bit dickish. It turns into a big jackass skit. At least it did for me and my friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and who can do the dumbest shit to get the, the most amount of attention? But sit down one-on-one with your boys. It'd be like, talk, ask open-ended questions about what do you think of the future? What do you think the direction this world is headed in? What do you think is going to help you? Um, just a lot of the questions that we've asked today and answered today between the two of us. Yeah. Go through those. What scares you? What helps you? What hurts you? Um, what do you feel you could be doing better with? Sure. Um, talk to your parents. Open up to your parents. Open up to your dad. Um, a lot of men might not have the relationship that that others do with their parents, so they might be more closed off. Or your parent might be an alcoholic, and, it, and if that's the case, my heart goes out to you. But um, there's always going to be some place that you can find a mentor, and that's a, that's a really important thing is mentorship. True. Is, is being able to reach out to an individual who has been there and who has lived through it and who can give you advice. But then a lot of it gets lost in the emotion. Going through those hormones as a teenager and a young adult and going through those initial relationships where you get hit with heartbreak and loss and addiction and uh, whether it be chemical addiction to a drug or, or addiction to a technology like I was with video games. Um, it can be hard, but there are ways and there are people that want to help you. So True. just talk. Just talk. True. Yeah. All right, man. Thank you so much for doing this. No problem, man. It's been a long time coming. Happy to be here. Bro, people should watch. Uh, you go to the YouTube channel and you put in Andrew Jones. People I'm there, sh- man. People should watch the... Let's go, let's go. People should watch the evolution of, of Andrew Jones. See me get fat, skinny and fat again. <laughs> See this beard go and then come back in again. <laughs> but all right, that was another episode of Open Brother. Peace. Peace. Ciao.